Hello, everybody. This is part two of Worship, What Is It? And if you want further study on this subject, we're kind of drawing from three different books, along with the Bible, of course, Becoming a True Worshipper, Worship, What Is It? And Worship in Heaven and Why Does It Matter? And these books are written by Tom Crater. And I'll have a link uh, below for you. So if you want further study, you can get his books. So the definition of worship is to ascribe worth and praise, pay homage, to reverence, to venerate, and adoration. In, in the sense of worshiping in uh, the Lord, it's the creature honoring the creator. And in our society, and I'm sure many societies before us, Worship has become a commodity. It's something that people sell. They sell worship things. It's been arranged, orchestrated, practiced, recorded, reviewed, dissected, analyzed, merchandised, and computerized. The worship business and worship in churches has made people rich and famous and has been accompanied not only by love for the Lord and severe motives and humility, but also uh, in there, unfortunately, gets pride and competition and jealousy and resentment and backstabbing. It's very easy for us as human beings, <clears throat> all of us, to get our focus off of the Lord who we're supposed to be worshiping onto worship leaders, recording artists, our favorite songs or the coolest bands around. And we just need to always be aware <clears throat> that our focus always needs to be on the Lord when we worship. Uh, we also need to be aware, always need to be aware that, that that great and wonderful, awesome worship service or that great and awesome worship song that we just heard um, might have been played and sung by the most wonderful, pure-hearted people or people that have the wrong motives and the wrong lifestyle. We need to remember that our focus always needs to be on the Lord, not a song, not a band, or not on a worship leader. Um, <clears throat> I'm part of some, uh, a worship leader Facebook page, and they'll find out that a worship leader has, you know, sinned in some way, and they'll just be a mad rush not to ever sing any songs that that worship leader has written before. And it's just kind of crazy. You know, all worship leaders have sinned. And um, so our focus never needs to be on a worship leader. Our focus always needs to be on the Lord. You know, King David wrote many of the Psalms and he had many ups and downs and many spiritual successes and failures. And if we just paid attention to him and his life, we wouldn't sing any of the Psalms. But our eyes always need to be on the Lord. We had a lady come to our church one time that, you know, uh, she said that she only wanted to attend a church that only sang Hillsong music. And so we can assume that um, she wanted a worship service that catered to her likes and her interests uh, instead of something that was ministering to the Lord. So we always need to be careful um, that when we consider worship, that worship is only for the Lord. It has nothing to do with our likes and privileges, our, our likes and preferences. So I'm going to talk about a few different things that in regarding to worship.
First of all, I'm going to talk about the worst worship leader of all, and that was Lucifer. Now, he could have been the best worship leader of all. He was the most beautiful worship leader of all. He was the most gifted worship leader that had ever been created by the Lord, but he was the worst worship leader, and he was in heaven, and he got kicked out of heaven because he was so bad. In Isaiah 14, 13, it says, Of Lucifer, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. So what Lucifer was saying that... I, Lucifer was saying, I'm going to be better than God. I'm going to ascend above God. Do you know that Lucifer in his rebellion took a third of the angels and they followed Lucifer in his rebellion against God? Did you know that there are worship leaders that try to turn church members against their pastor, just like Lucifer turned a third of the angels against God and they're oftentimes very successful at it. So don't be surprised if people on a worship team try to get you to follow after them or try to get you to be their fans and try to complain and crab about the pastor because that's a work of the devil and that's something that people are easily fall prey to. So be careful never to elevate worship leaders. Uh, that was a problem that happened in heaven. And Lucifer had to be thrown out along with a third of the angels. Another little thing about worship is we can worship God and it be completely and totally in vain and worthless. Jesus quoted Isaiah uh, when he was speaking about the worship of the religious people um, who are called the Pharisees. In Matthew 15, it says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship in vain. Their teaching uh, teachings are but, but rules taught by men. So there was something happening with these Pharisees that their hearts were not involved in their worship. But um, as we can see, as we'll see later on, everything on the outside they had right, but their hearts just weren't with the Lord and involved in their worship. Another thing about worship is that worship needs to be totally and completely through Jesus Christ. It's only because of the death and resurrection of Christ that we can ever approach God to worship him. No man can come to God to worship except through Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 13, 15, it says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. You know, when we come to worship God, if we keep that in mind, our worship is just so much more meaningful and full. If we come to worship God and we're so aware of the mighty things that Jesus Christ has wrought uh, for us, that we can come to God clean and pure through the blood of Jesus Christ. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we can see again that we can't come to the Father and worship, worship him except through Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 2, 5, it says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a royal priesthood, 
offering, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So when we offer the spiritual sacrifice of worship, we're doing it through Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, we find a story of Jesus talking to a woman. Uh, she was called the Samaritan woman because she was a Samaritan. She lived in Samaria. And he was talking to her about religious traditions and where to worship. And he was telling her that it's not the physical location or religious, religious tradition or culture that was important. Jesus told her that true worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And in John 4, 23, it talks about it. It says, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. You know, God is looking for people who will worship him this way. So I think that's really awesome that God's looking for you. God's looking for people to worship him. So um, Jesus was saying that, you know, there's a good way to worship God. There's a right way to worship him. And so what does that mean to worship him in spirit and in truth? In spirit means that we're engaging our spirit man. We're being led by the Holy Spirit. Um, as I said before on uh, the Pharisees, um, they were doing everything perfect on the outside. But their hearts were not engaged. And, you know, um, in our life, you know, it's just, it's just human nature. It's real easy to just go through the motions and miss the meaning. Um, we're creatures of habit and we become, can become routine in our worship and, and not engage our hearts. In Isaiah, the first chapter, um, the Bible addresses this. First chapter, 11th verse. It says, the multitude of your sacrifice, uh, sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams and the fat fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Isn't that astounding that the Lord said that to his people? They were coming to sacrifice to him, coming to worship, and the Lord says he is tired of it. It's detestable. It just, he didn't want to have anything to do with that. And we never want to be in that position, do we? Without the heart, it's not worship. It's just a show or a, a stage play. It's just, we're just going through the motions. And so we just need to, you know, think when we're worshiping the Lord, do we really mean the words we're singing? Do we really mean what we're saying? Saying, are we, are we just going through the motions? Are we honestly engaging our hearts and our spirits? You know, God's spirit in us in, in, ignites and engages our spirit in worship. And we just need to let the Holy Spirit and our spirit just 
just overflow in worship to the Lord. And then when it talks about worship in truth, we need to worship according to the word of God. Our worship must be scriptural. It must center on the truths of God's word, the work of salvation, and on God himself. This is the truth that must must saturate our worship, the word of God. So that's what spirit and truth means, the Holy Spirit igniting our spirit, being engaged fully in the worship of God and having it be grounded in the word of God and the, and the work of salvation that he's done through through Jesus Christ. You know, on another note, many times a worship time at church may seem, you know, kind of mundane to you. You may lose a sense of expectancy. And I just encourage you to purpose in your heart not to settle for anything mundane, but to continually recognize the wonder and awesomeness of God. In worship, there should be faith expectancy, an overwhelming sense of awe and reverence toward God, always recognizing anew the holiness and wonder of his presence. And remember that you don't need some kind of atmosphere to be created for you by a worship team to enable you to worship God. And the best thing I can you know, have you think about is about Paul and Silas in prison in Acts 16. They were in uh, a prison in um, in Acts 16, and it was in prisons now, it wouldn't be good to be in prison now, but then it was dark, it was dreary, it was damp, um, they didn't have proper toilet facilities, um, they were chained. Um, it was just a, a horrible, horrible place to be. And there was no atmosphere. <laughs> there was no pleasant music. It wasn't the right temperature. They didn't have comfortable chairs to sit in. They didn't have the bass, you know, hitting the proper notes. They didn't have the drums. They didn't have the keyboard. They didn't have the, the, the soprano, bass, and tenor all hitting on the right notes but their hearts were full of worship. And because of that, mighty miracles happened because the Lord was so pleased with their worship. We have to be totally and completely responsible for our own worship in everyday life and in each worship service that we go to. A worship leader isn't responsible for the worship that we give to the Lord. We are. In his book, Worship 101, Andrew Robbins asks us a provocative question. Why are Christians not inspired to worship? When you think of what the Savior has saved us from, the apathy in most churches is truly sickening. Many of our churches are filled with people who are not inspired to do much more than emotionlessly sing along with the songs because they do not have a concept of God's law and therefore have a shallow appreciation of his grace. So I just encourage you as you worship, just always be mindful of God's holy word and his wonderful grace toward you. True worshipers engage with God in worship every single day 
throughout the day in everything they say and do. Christians should be the most thankful, passionate, and praising people on the face of the earth. In Psalm 92, 4, it says, You thrill me, O God, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. And that should be our heart song every single day. No matter what's going on, you thrill me, O God, with all that you have done. I sing for joy because of what you have done. Psalm 119, 164 says, I will praise you seven times a day because of all you, because all your regulations are just. When worship is a part of everyday life, it alters the way we view corporate worship. It is no longer a time we expect the worship leader to pump us up after a draining week. Instead, worship just becomes our natural response when we walk in the door of a church service. You know, worship on Sunday is meaningless unless it is preceded by six days of worship as a way of life. Our human nature is just gets bored unless something is always new and improved. As humans, we have a tendency to take things for granted. An example of this is the Israelites in the desert with the manna. They just, you know, at first it was like, oh my gosh, we have bread coming down from heaven and it wasn't long at all. They started complaining about that. But we have to remember that God's mercies to us are new every morning. So I just encourage you to uh, just continually praise and worship the God. God, you know, we brush our teeth twice a day for two minutes. And what if you just decided to do that once a week? Well, that wouldn't be good, would it? That's what a lot of us do with worship. You know, we just do it once a week. And it doesn't work that way. We need to be worshiping God every day, all day long. And I'll close with this scripture, Lamentations 3, 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And we'll continue on next week with more mighty things about the Lord, more great things to worship him for. Bye-bye.